Ben Gould. It's early in the morning because we are about to interview an international guest over Skype and it's late in the afternoon for them. It is. It is. This is our first international guest, I think. First of many, first probably. Yeah. Once, once people hear this episode, they will be hitting us up wanting to be on Inhabit. That's true. That's very true. Now we've got, um, we've got Joe Saxton, who is uh, in Minneapolis. At the moment, Minneapolis. Minneapolis. That's a lot of lot of letters in that. Um, She is uh, originally from England, and um, has been in a whole range of kind of uh, leadership spaces and um, teaches and coaches people in term in that leadership space. Um, She's got podcasts and books and all sorts of stuff. And so, uh, we are actually really blessed, really lucky to have her, and um, the fact that she would take some time uh, to Skype us on the other side of the world in. our little, my little office in Long Jetty, rainy morning, uh, but it's a good morning. It is a good morning and uh, it's going to be a good chat. So let's get into it. Here is our conversation with Joe Saxton. Hello. Hey, Joe, how are you going? I'm good. You, oh, I didn't put my video on. Hold on a second. Dun, dun. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good. Good. What what time is it? In where is it? <laughs> it uh, okay. It's in Minneapolis in the US, ah, and it's four p.m. Four p.m. Lovely. What time is it where you are? Seven a.m., which is not too bad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's not. That's not too. You look well. You thank look you. well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> how how does the rest of today go? Or are you behind us? Who's telling the future here? I'm behind. You're in the future. Okay. Yep. There's not a lot of sleep last night, so sorry. Okay. If that affects you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, thank you so much for um, giving us oh. some of your time to have a chat. So appreciated. Oh, it's a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, if you're happy to start with maybe just giving kind of a few snapshots of who you are, what you're doing with your life, what you're invested in, um, just kind of introduce yourself in your own words would be awesome. Okay. You put me on a bit of an existential crisis then, but I, I think I can find my way back. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who am I? What am I doing here? Okay. So um, my name is Joe Saxton. I, like many people, wear a number of hats. So I am married. I have two kids, one a middle schooler and a high schooler, so 12 and 14 basically teenagers. So that's everything. Um, in terms of the things I do with my time, I write books. Um, I host a podcast um, called Lead Stories. I am a leadership coach. So I love to get alongside leaders, whatever stage of their leadership, whether they are aspiring leaders, just starting out, whether they are like first couple of positions when they feel like an imposter or whether they're established and they're going for it. And I love to for me, I love to think about um, holistic leadership. So, um, most leaders I meet are really, really skilled, and the challenges are rarely about their skills. It tends to be the pieces of the rest of their life. Mm. And so I'm really committed to help them integrate those parts so they can thrive in what they do. So, yeah, that's what I do. Wow. That's a, that's a good little bio. Congratulations. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, we've, we've been talking – this season about self-awareness and the role that plays in following Jesus. And um, really yeah. we wanted 
to have a conversation with you because for one, you are in a lot of leadership spaces and you're in the kind of leadership coach space as well. Um, for you, in terms of some of your story, how have you found that self-awareness has played out in your leadership or as you raise other leaders? Um, I think in my own personal journey, I was made self-aware <laughs> before I became self-aware. So normally by mistake and hitting walls. Um, I think in early on, early on when I was in my early 20s, I I don't know what it was like for you guys leaving home, but for me leaving home, it was very much like the lid came off my life. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I could function. Don't you, like, I could function in terms of bills and all of that kind of stuff. I could do that. I was quite independent. But what I became increasingly aware of is I would encounter people or situations where I thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how, I don't have the emotional capacity for this. Or I'm surprised by what is triggered in a relationship with somebody or um, by something somebody said. And I thought, if I'm, if I'm going, also alongside that, I, I nearly neglected the main part of this. My vices were big. Do you know what I mean? Mm. My, my coping, I had coping strategies, but they tended to revolve around alcohol mm -hmm. and a lot of it. So I realized that if I was going to, fully function, I would have to do something about the things that were getting in the way. I was academic, I'm bright, I'm communicative. So it wasn't social skills. It was definitely wounds, internal things mm. that I just needed to attend to. And I think that was my first wake up call of thinking, it doesn't matter how talented you are or think you might be, you'll be a mess unless you attend to the things in your life. And um, I think I've just been lucky enough to find out in life I'm not the only one <laughs> who is in that position. You know what I mean? I think the rest of my life has been me saying to people, yeah, we are like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Different vibe, same issue yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. One thing that you kind of touched on there, which I think is part of what's tricky, is the system kind of rewards the competencies, you know, the, the, yeah. the sort of mental ability or, or kind of skills that we have in the short term and so it's often easy to neglect that kind of work on the wounds or that work on the character until later down the term when things are harder and harder to actually fix um what have you seen either in your own life or in the lives of others around some of the the potential negative consequences of neglecting you know cultivating self-awareness and just kind of pushing on yeah. without having that reflective mode yeah, I mean, I think what I've seen is when we indulge, uh, indulge sounds harsh, but I think it's true. When we indulge the value that our gifts and our talents are more important than mm. um, character and, and wounds, like you mentioned, when we prioritize that, we give people things they're not necessarily ready for or not ready to sustain, mm. you know? And so I think what it looked like for me, well, I, I think times when, when it's caught up with me, burnout, there's probably been a, one of the things waking up, you know, those days when you wake up more tired than you were when you went to sleep or yeah. you're just staring at a wall and weeping. Those aren't signs of health, friends. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> those, those are signs of something, but um, uh, I, I think a, a sense of, uh, I think what can happen is that we can just keep on going and keep on going and put it to the side and put it to the side and put it to the side until something else gives. And we find ourselves in situations and we don't, we find ourselves drinking something and it's 8am and it's like mm, coffee in the morning, perhaps <laughs> whiskey, not so much. Do you know what I mean? Or you yeah. find yourself in a relationship that you shouldn't be with either emotionally or online or actually physically because 
somehow setting fire to your life that way feels less complicated than facing work. Mm. And no one's, I don't know a leader who started out planning that stuff, you know? I don't think any of us thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to set fire to my life. Um, <laughs> I, but I think we find ourselves um, just wanting to numb the pain or numb the pressure. Sometimes it's not even a conscious pain. It's just the pressure or numb the complications. And that's how we end up there. So I've seen it in burnout. I've seen it in people's um, when they confess addictions. Um, and, and often with a great deal of shame and frustration that they found it started as a little thing just to, just to get through the day. It's something someone stumbled on. It's a conversation with someone who in that moment seemed to just understand you and you were relieved. And then you needed that person because everything every other part of your life i mean i don't know if you guys have got young kids well i think you have mm. but they're not they're not glamour making do you know what i mean they don't they don't make you look good they throw up on you they poop on you and then they pull your face those <laughs> things don't make you feel affirmed as a human being do you know what I mean? they don't they don't make you feel affirmed as a human being and then somebody else wants to hear your story and wants to listen to you and you don't have to watch that children's tv show all over again it's appealing mm. um and if we're not self-aware, if we, if we can't see those things coming, then um, we see them when half of our life is in, in the wreckage, you know? And, and, and it's just a real shame. It's just mm, a real, yeah. it's, it's real sad to lose something because we're tired yeah. or we're hurting. Mm. So you kind of mentioned when you started to share a bit of your story that um, it was sort of like self-awareness was kind of forced on you rather than a chosen path. Mm. How, how have you yeah. seen those kind of shifts in your life and your thinking as you've been put in those kind of disruptive spaces? You know, you look back yeah. on your, yourself when you moved out of home and you're functional, but a lot of that was starting to change to now. Like how has your thinking kind of changed on a day-to-day -day level? How Are you much better at sort of seeing those signs of the unhealth coming out? Or, you know, talk to us a little bit about how that's shifted at different points in your life. Yeah. I think there have, now I'm just really proactive about it. I think I, it, it's not even that I see it coming. I just know I'm human. And because I know I'm human and because I know my story, my history, and not even that, because life happens. There's your history, but there's also life happening all the time. Um, I, I've made a practice and a habit, discipline, whatever we want to call it, of being proactive. And so I, there, there are no areas of my life which are secret. You know, I I don't have secrets. And if I'm now, I'm like, is there one? Do I need? Otherwise, it's like I need to call someone and just say, hey, this happened. Because uh -huh. I I I would rather that small humiliation and embarrassment of someone knowing my story than the implications of those things. So I I got into the habit of having accountable friendships, friendships which are honest and authentic, where people could say, ask me anything, tell me anything. Yeah. Where um and where when they said something you didn't go oh, you did what but <laughs> but mm. you actually it was a safe space and it's not that that friendship became a codependent thing but that friendship would be a place which would say do you need to see a counselor about that it's time to face that mm. almost the entry point to the journey so I made a habit of that um I made a habit of when needed and this is a, this is still a practice in my life when needed to get um, professional help. So there are times when I am in therapy for a period of time because life happens because things come up um, because loss happens. And, mm. and I've, I've just made a commitment that I would rather do that for a year than need it for 10, you know, <laughs> you know, um, because in the hiding, I've learned that the hiding doesn't actually 
change anything. <laughs> it doesn't stop it from affecting your life. Mm. Um, there are certain things I'm aware of. Like I have to, I don't, um, I stopped drinking for about 10, 12 years. Um, partly because I saw all these photographs where all I was doing was holding a bottle of beer. And I thought, hmm, there is a theme and it's not my clothing. The theme is always the alcohol. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, um, and, and so even now I period, I don't drink much anyway. It might be a glass of wine once every three or four months. But even now, I deliberately like, you know what? There are still certain drinks I don't drink because mm. of what they remind me of. Mm. And I'm not, it, I don't want to be afraid of something, but I don't want to be dumb either. I've got nothing to prove and nothing to defend, you know? It's mm. like, this is why I do it. Um, so I think those have been things which have helped me now. If Now, now I kind of have, uh, I keep on working on building a life which preempts um, the opportunity. So there are people who are asking me questions. So I'm being self-aware that way. I'm paying attention to my body, um, and and um, I think I'm working out where the vice, where the insecurity goes. So alcohol isn't a challenge, but overwork can be. Mm. You know, and it can be the same thing. It can be about the same. You know, like um, yeah. when you have a virus, it manifests itself in different ways in people. I'm just I've come to understand that there are certain threads in my life that manifest themselves in different ways in different stages. How I feel about my childhood when I was 20, it's very different now as a 45 year old woman. And, but it's also very different seeing myself and my daughters. So, um, so now I'm, I'm almost like, have I got those safe spaces? I know I'm, I guess put it this way. I know I'm vulnerable. If I don't have meaningful conversations with key people, I know I'm vulnerable. If I am hiding something from my closest friends, I know I'm vulnerable. If I have not exercised for a long, long period of time, I just, I, and I think, I think I, I, it's helped me to, and other things as well. If I've been away from a faith community for too long, if I'm, if I find myself getting really cynical, I'm not angry about cynicism as, or anything, but for me, they're sim it's symptomatic. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, Oh, Joe, don't be cynical. I'm almost like, but what's that, what's that saying? Mm. So I've learned to identify what are the things that make me vulnerable and make sure I have those spaces in my life that, so that even if I'm resisting, they'll catch me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? My people will catch me. Mm. My people will catch me first. Mm, that's great. Do you Does have, that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any advice for someone who might be looking for those people in their lives, those people that can mm. keep them accountable even when maybe they're heading down the wrong track? How, how did you set that up? Yeah, um, again, stumbled into it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think there are a couple of things. I think for some of us, it's working out what those, depends on what you're wrestling with. It might, for some people, be specifically appropriate to look at the professional option first, mm. either by virtue of your stage of life, your job, all those kinds of things. Um, but I think my initial thing was when someone asked me how I was, I told them. Mm. Do, you know, do you know what I mean? When someone said, so how are you doing? I'm like, yeah, it's actually terrible. Mm. And, and the great thing about that is it's a great thinner of relationships if need be. <laughs> I mean, you will find out who your people are real quick <laughs> on those sorts of things. Um, I, I, I had to determine that my integrity and my authenticity would not be determined by whether I was more acceptable to people as a result. Mm. Now, I'm not a fan of oversharing because that's just weird and you have to mop it up later. So I, I thought of who are the good friends in my life, who are good people who I enjoy hanging out with. And I began to open up a little bit more to them. If I had a prayer partner, I think one of the first accountable friendships was a prayer partner. So then it was just, what's my prayer request? That became the, mm. that became the, 
um, the opportunity, as it were, to say what was really going on. So I would say if you um, have someone you pray with, that's a good space. Unless the friendship of the person you're praying with is the problem, then maybe somewhere else is a good space. Um, <laughs> that happens. Or anyway, that's awkward. Um, but uh, yeah, that, those would be the those would be the, the starting places. Uh, and and if you want if you want to have vulnerable friendships and if you want to have honest friendships, then I think you've got to work out what you're able to say as well, because otherwise we expect um, let your therapist be your therapist, <laughs> you, you, and your mm. friend be your friend. You know what I mean? Don't expect your don't expect your friend to be a therapist because that just gets messy. Yeah, we we are both uh, huge fans of. Uh, we see the same counsellor, and we both kind of joke about what a lifeline <laughs> he is to us. Ah! And we've interviewed him on this podcast as well. Um, but I think there's some truth in that, right? There's something about that space that is different. Mm. But there's also that's not an excuse yeah. not to cultivate authentic, mm. vulnerable relationships. Exactly. Uh, I heard somebody a number of years ago say this thing that really stuck with me. He was kind of an old, wise, you know, walk the faith for many years. He had a young man come up to him mm. and say hey, can you keep me accountable about this area of my life? And the old guy said, only if you ask me the same question and just revealed this wow. sense of, I mean, how's that for self-awareness? You know, old guy who could easily yeah. kind of say, you know, I look good on the surface, I've got things together. Mm-hmm. And he says, I am just as human yeah. as you. And I love that you kind of, you know, when I asked you about the self-awareness thing, for you it's about becoming aware of being human. And maybe sometimes our yeah. awareness, we, we think that we are somehow above or beneath what yeah. it means to be human. So self-awareness is about becoming yeah. fully aware of our both our vulnerabilities as well as our strengths. I wonder if you could speak to, you know, what it means for leaders to grow on the other side as well. We've kind of tried to um, frame some of our episodes in this season around both our shadows as well as what it means to, to move greater into our strengths as self-aware beings. How have you explored that side of things and how do you hold those in tension? How have I explored the shadows, would you say, the, or the strengths? The strengths and how to kind of be, be honest about the shadow uh, as well as being honest about, about the strengths and the good stuff without letting them lead into arrogance or kind of that overconfidence, but, yeah. but also not, you know, becoming self-loathing and ignoring the strengths that we have to offer. Yeah. You know, I think that's, no, that's a real helpful question. I think it's a really valuable one. Um, I think in... I don't. I work with men and women, but I have found with women it's been really important to name it, to name the strengths, and certain cultural contexts. Certain cult. There are certain cultures that are very extrovert about saying who they are, and there are others who are deliberately self-deprecating. And there are strengths, and you know, there are strengths and weaknesses and all of those things. But in this moment, I found with 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 women calling themselves a leader is an L word. Do you know what I mean? It's a kind of like, Oh my gosh, I can't, I'm, I'm not a leader. I just take responsibility for everything and do things all the time. And I plan it, but I'm not a leader. And it's like, actually you need to name this. You need to give voice to who you are and say yes to who you are. Um, so I think for me, um, daring to say what I want, um, daring to say what I'm passionate about, daring to say what I'm good at have been really helpful things. Um, they, dairy and almost giving them air, giving them voice, um, being able to say to a boss, say, you know, I, I'm, I love my opportunity, but I'd love to try this some, at some point, or I'm curious about this. I think those things have been important. Investigating your curiosity has been something that has been a really good thing. Um, when I'm coaching people to encourage them to do, 
rather than to write off an idea or write off a dream or write off a passion or put it to the side and say, you, it doesn't fit the mold of what you're doing. I'm like, well, let's ask some questions about that. Let's explore that a bit. What would it, you know, when you, if you have this particular heartbeat towards people in foster care, um, what is that about? Or if there's, if you're really drawn to the arts, rather than just say you're being ambitious and crazy, what is that about? Um, I think it's worth exploring and giving voice to some of the things that give us life. So I think for me, most of, there's something about naming it publicly. Um, there's something about naming it to key people. And, and particularly when it's your cheerleaders and your people you're accountable with. I found my accountable relationships haven't just held me accountable about the shadows. They've actually held me accountable about the strengths and said, mm, so what are you going to do about this? What's the timeline? You know, like one of my friends is really good on calendar stuff. And I was telling her about this idea and she said, oh, that's great. She said, stop talking. She goes, anyway, here's the calendar. Um, what date are we talking about here? And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, you said sometime in the fall. Let's choose October then. What week in October would you like? And, and I'm like, oh, I'm busy. She goes, so what dates are you busy? And so, and so then she said, so you have two dates free. Pick a date. And, and she just, and, and then she said, so who shall we tell? So you have to do this. <laughs> kind of, but it was that kind of someone who took took the dream and the idea and agreed with me in it and then held me accountable mm. all the way to execution. All the way. Um, because otherwise it's just an idea, isn't it? Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, before, I, I mean, we're talking about strengths and shadows and I think you, you said character and competence before, which is basically the same thing. And I, I think about my own life, my own leadership, and it's kind of like this, this flip-flop of, of growth almost. Like sometimes my, yeah. my character's behind and sometimes my competence is behind and sometimes my character opens up a door or opportunity and sometimes it's my competence. Yeah. How, how have you yeah. um, dealt with kind of that? Have you, has that been your experience heading into different seasons? And maybe what advice would you give for someone heading into a new season where, you know, either their character is ahead of their competence or their competence is ahead of their character? What would you do to kind yeah. of keep growing both sides of those, but kind of keeping them on par in many ways? Yeah. I mean, I think it, I, I love, I love the way you describe it because I think that's just so true. It's just so, it's so true. It's like you get this great opportunity and you're like, oh my gosh, but I'm a mess. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, and all the stuff about imposter syndrome is so well documented. You know, that even the whole idea that you're a fraud or a fake and mm. that you're about to be found out. Oscar winners, the amount of Oscar winners who have, who are, who have imposter syndrome and they're like, they're waiting for someone to tell them they're a fraud. And it's like, you don't get higher than Oscars really though, do you? Mm. But, and, and yet. And so I think, um, I think on the moment when I find that my competence, so that um, my character has gone ahead of the competence, I ask myself, are there skills I need to grow or is this imposter syndrome talking? Mm. You know, um, and, and I think the other thing I've had to remind myself is I'm a leader. I'm not an arriver. A leader is a lifelong learner. I don't That's actually good. have to arrive. There isn't an arriving <laughs> kind of thing. There is a growing and a developing and a maturing. And when I, when I recognize that, it takes some of the pressure off on the competence thing. It's mm. like, oh, I don't know. I don't have to know all the things. And, and, and you know, the other thing I've learned to do in the middle of it is when I think, oh, I'm not really good at that. Is it that I need to grow or is it that I need more team? You know, is it, mm. is it actually rather than I must become the most uber competent person at mm. all the things? Is it that no, you're just not good at that, Joe? You have other gifts. Get a life. You know what I mean? yeah. Let it go. Let someone support you. Let yeah, someone help great. you, which brings up other character things in themselves. When I'm 
when I feel like the competence thing happens and the characters behind, that's the one where I, for me I can feel particularly vulnerable because I'm just like, I don't know, I can sustain what I've been given. So, uh, but I commit to being a work in progress. I commit, to, and what I mean by that is, so I remember there was years ago. This was years ago. Um, I had some opportunities, uh, and it was in my context, it was speaking at conferences and all that kind of stuff. And there was the small inconvenient truth of the dysfunctional relationship I had with my father and the fact that I really didn't like him um, at all. And I was wrestling with the bitterness and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, so here you are preaching saying Jesus loves you and he can change your life. And here you are bitter and festering. And I, and I thought, well, there is an on there. I can't pretend. I can't pretend. I can't make myself fix my heart quicker, but I can commit to standing before God, knowing that I am doing all that depends on me. Um, it's easy. It, it would be easy to say, well, God loves me and he knows I'm working on it. That's not that, that like that passive. I'm not going to passive out on it, but I'm, but I'm going to say, Lord, um, and often I pray this prayer from the last few verses of Psalm 139. I'm like, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way of Alaskan. Alaskan. And I treat it a bit like a scanner at an airport, you know, when they scan your whole body and everything. And, and I'm like, okay, God, if there's something there, what do is there is there some releasing I need to do? Is there something I need to attend to? Is there a conversation I need to have? And no, I'm not complete. I'm not all the way there yet, but I know I'm doing the next vulnerable thing on the journey that you you want to stretch me in. Then I feel okay about it. But I need to. If I'm not sure I'm a work in progress, if I'm like, if I, there are sometimes I feel it in my heart where I'm like, no, I'm just going to be stubborn. Then then I've got some work to do. If if I know I'm a, a work in progress and it's vulnerable and it's raw and it's kind of tender, then I'm like, I I can be okay with that because I'm. Because his power's made perfect in my weakness, you know he mm. his strength comes into its own then, but um it it's certainly one we have to be proactive about because when you are really competent at something, people aren't looking for your weaknesses necessarily, they're celebrating your strengths, and it would be very easy to believe your own prayer mm. yeah, I think it's a very beautiful and reassuring thought that we are works in progress. It means that we don't have mm. to be kind of like you said, we don't have to arrive before we say yes to some things. We don't have to sort of yeah. be uh, all all resolved before we leave the house. Yeah. Um, but we kind of have that awareness that, you know, I'm committed to, to growth and that's going to take my whole yeah. life. But sort of it's like as soon as we are open with that, then we can kind of keep taking slow steps forward and keep doing yeah. the work um, both internal and external with that, that sort of beautiful and freeing acknowledgement that, hey, God's still doing his thing in me. And um, that's going to take a while. Yeah. But I'm open to the process. Yeah. Um, this podcast mm. is really all about helping people to form the habits that do help to, to you know, shape us to be more like Jesus. We, we kind of both feel that so often um, we kind of think about ideas and we're very good at talking talking about things but the church maybe hasn't always yeah. done the best job of teaching people how to actually develop habits and rhythms. Yeah. Um, you know, we did our, yeah. our last season was on Sabbath and it's amazing how many people have just talked to us about what a revolutionary idea it is just actually blocking out a day to rest wow. each week. Um, wow. It's so countercultural in our busy 24-7 hyper-connected world. Um, but I'd love to ask you, Joe, like when you're kind of functioning in your greatest health, and you're kind of, you know, seeing the fruit of that, 
what are some of the key habits and practices that you've found uh, have been really, you know, personally life-giving? Um, personally life-giving to me, um, I have a prayer conference call with a friend three mornings a week. Um, and we, the ridiculous thing is we live about a mile apart, but, but we're both early risers and no one's getting out at that time. We're just yeah. not with conference call it is. Um, we dial it in. Um, and that has been a, it's almost like irrigation. It's just one of these constant foundations of uh, connecting to pray. So that's one. Um, you know, I think the, I think the, for me, my spirituality is very physical. Like I need to run. I need to be in, physically engaged. So um, in some way I need to work out. Um, so when I'm at my healthiest, that, that's an integral part of my prayer life, to be honest. Sometimes I'm mm. running and I'm like, or oh, there's something I need to address or there's a conversation or I'm, or I'm work to work on a talk or something. And I need to run first because it just gets all the junk out of the way and it clears my head. Mm. And it's just always been really good for my mental health as well. Um, I, I think when I'm thriving um, as a habit, there are some questions I'm asking myself. Um, like I... I at the start of the year, I always ask, what do I need to say hello to and what do I need to say goodbye to? Um, I'm, I, other questions I ask myself is, is, who do I need to be investing in or who are, who are the key relationships? Um, when I'm functioning really well, it, there is a vibrancy in the, in the kind of going there in the relationships I have with my friends. Um, and, and, and not just friends, but also professional peers as well. Um, I think those are key things. And, you know, I tell you what, when I'm really healthy, at my healthiest, there is fun there. Just pure, unadulterated fun um, in terms of I am wasting time having fun. Mm. And, and I say that, I choose those words deliberately in that for me, when I'm at my more kind of, I'm really focused and I'm kind of overdoing it then fun is a waste of time. Mm. Um, when I am engaged, when I'm fully free, when I am at my most whole, I am guarded and protected by a lifestyle which um, integrates fun um, with my kids, with my husband, with, with my friends. I walk into a gallery for the sheer fun of it and I take two hours staring at pictures I like because I want to, mm. you know, and, um, and I slow down enough. And yeah, there are, there's a pile of laundry that needs to be done and there's work that needs to be done, but they can wait because this is filling my soul. I'm, I'm listening to music that fills my soul. I'm watching TV that fills my soul. I am laughing with somebody and it fills my soul. When I'm at my, and when I'm at my healthiest there and I look back on that week, there have been, it's been more than once in the week. It's certainly been more than once in the month when I have had these engaging things, which are, not, I mean, don't get me wrong, I have fun at work. I, I work with people I love and all that kind of stuff, and that's great. But when work is not on the table and we're just laughing about something or we're just walking or grabbing a coffee or whatever, that, that part of those things are, are definitely there. Mm. I love that. I love that, uh, you know, following Jesus is a whole way of life and not just you know, relegated to the spiritual side. So I love that you shared, you know, running and having fun and that all that stuff is integral in making us integrated yeah. people. And um, I, I yeah. think I think that's so important as leaders as well, that we are um, uh, 
see ourselves as whole leaders and not, uh, as whole people, not just a leader in this situation and another person in this situation, but actually all of me matters and my health, my physical health yeah. and my emotional yeah. health, um, you know, all mm-hmm. plays a really important part in our spirituality, uh, which, which I love. Yeah. Um, what would you say just to maybe a younger leader, maybe starting out on the journey of self-awareness, maybe they're, you know, stepping into a new opportunity or a new job or something like that. What, what would you say to someone maybe in their early 20s? Oh, I would say welcome to the fun. Uh, um, I would say this is an opportunity. This is a chapter where you get to discover so many things. You get to discover what you're good at. You get to discover what you're terrible at, honestly. Um, and it's okay. You will, you, you're going to fail at some stuff and that's absolutely fine because that's part of growth, you know, and it's wonderful. And don't let that stop you from going for it. That dream as big a dream as you want. Um, dare as much as you want. Um, I, I want, I want to celebrate the fact that you're stepping up to leave. I think that's my first thing. I'm cel- I'm cheering you on. I'm celebrating the fact that you're, you've got some skin in the game and that you're giving it a go. And, um, and that's important, you know, um, we need we need the vitality that you bring. I would say um, it's also an opportunity to slay some of your giants. Um, it's also it's also an opportunity to face some of the things that intimidate you, um, the secrets that you've held, the um, the wounds that that you've laboured with, the things that you're ashamed of about yourself, um, the things that you maybe are afraid. Um, would jeopardize your leadership of people new. Um, it's also a time to face those because they don't, they've, they've held you down long enough. Mm-hmm. You know, they've held you back long enough. They've made you feel bad about yourself long enough. And God has never, God's always known and he's never condemned you. Mm-hmm. you know I mean, he's, that, and, and both of those things are true. He's always mm-hmm. known. It's not a secret, but, he's, but it's never stopped him loving you. And he does not need you to perform your leadership to impress him kind of thing. And, and so then I would encourage you, make some really good friends. Not all of them are. <laughs> not all of them are good. Some of them are rubbish. So make some good <laughs> friends. Uh, <laughs> just, some of them are rubbish. Oh, God bless them and all, but yeah, don't. Um, just don't. Um, I, I would, I would in- surround yourself with people who don't, who, who really like you. So I know it sounds real simple, but who like you. Who don't have, feel the need to put you down and make you feel small to make themselves feel big. Mm-hmm. You know, um, surround yourself with people who celebrate you and who you can celebrate as well. Surround yourself with people who are like you, but I would really encourage you in your 20s to find people who are nothing like you. Mm-hmm. Nothing like you. You stretch the way you think, different ethnic cities, different socioeconomic backgrounds, mm-hmm. differently abled. Create, build a community of diverse friendship because it will grow you and you as a leader more than you could ever imagine. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think those would be the things that, Oh, the one thing I would say, actually, I would say, I know you don't think money's that big a deal now. And it kind of is. It is. I, 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 was, I don't know why I, I, I've been on I, and every, I think in every podcast I've done today, I've talked to people about money. And I think it's because it's one, it's one of those, it can be a strength or a shadow all at mm. once. Yep. Um, so I'm not saying make a big deal out of it. I'm just saying it's worth having in order because of the opportunities it gives you or inhibits you later on. Yeah, so true. Um, Joe, thank you so much 
for this conversation. I know it's been life-giving to me and, and to Benj and uh, I'm sure oh. it will be to everyone else who listens. Um, so we really want to just, uh, yeah, um, say thank you and honour your own investment in other leaders and in, in this sense, leaders, you know, you. Uh, across the globe. Um, yeah, as we wrap up, are there any kind of final final thoughts or just a, a last, um, you know, sort of sentence or two that you want to want to give to anyone listening to this? Um, oh, that's dangerous. Um, <laughs> I, since I've already said the money one, um, I would say, I would say one of the things that has stunned me about leadership is that in the early days, there were things that I dreamed of, but the work, but, um, the culture hadn't shifted yet. Like for example, podcasts didn't have, weren't happening when I started out in leadership. They weren't, so um, the internet wasn't really a massive thing. And I just want to encourage, uh, I want to encourage leaders to be creative and to not dismiss their imaginations. I want to encourage them to dream bigger and to not be afraid of it. Um, sometimes we only dream within the systems we know. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not a terrible thing. It's just that the world, the world is shifting, man, and it's shifting fast. And... Um, and we need innovators. We need creatives. We need um, we need risk takers. We need visionaries. And so I would encourage you, whether you are twenty something or seventy something, to not be afraid of that side and to let it out. <laughs>